My name is John, and uh, I am a little bit new here myself, so if, if you're new here, uh, I, don't, I don't know who you are, you don't know who I am. Um, but I won't be back next week, so anything that doesn't sound good, just let it go by. Uh, I, um, I actually am... Uh, have a job supporting churches in our movement, and so I get to, to go around. Sometimes I just get to visit and just be part of the service, and every, once in a while I get to share and teach, and that's my um, that's my privilege this morning. I get to talk about actually one of my favorite passages, one of my favorite verses, and uh, um, uh, just walk with you in your series. They're in a series here on the Sermon on the Mount, and I'm in Matthew chapter 6, and uh, just have some thoughts that I think God really wants to bring home to us in a fresh way things that he wants to speak to our soul things he wants us to apply on Monday so one of the things that uh, you realize after you've been a pastor and a, a Christian as long as I've been is that it's actually pretty easy to be spiritual on Sunday morning at 1030 especially when you're given the sermon but it's different on Monday and it's different on Tuesday and uh, we tend to think Sunday is God's favorite day. But actually, I think when we're walking with him on Monday and on Tuesday, I think those are the days that God thinks that was a good day. That was a good day. So we come on Sunday to learn what we need to know and to be renewed and what we need to hear and to be reset and what we need to have convictions about to live as people of God in the rest of the week. And hopefully that's, uh, that's what this will be a little bit of a contribution to. I, I really appreciate worship. I feel like I've already been contributed to. And um, may God just grant us grace to hear from him some more. So let's just pray. Let's ask God to speak to us and, and uh, um, bring his word into our life in a way that makes us walkers and doers more than hearers. Lord, we do thank you that you, you want to disciple us. And I think what that meant for men uh, 2,000 years ago, it meant they walked with you and they, they did what you did and they were part of your life and, and you always had amazing things going on and, and their, their lives were drawn right into that. And we tell you that's what we want, God. We want to be drawn into the amazing things that are what you are doing today. And um, I pray that you give us your truth in a way that speaks to our hearts this morning so that we can walk and live and be with you uh, through all the rest of the week. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I'm going to read our passage and then I'll we'll go through it verse by verse. It's out of Matthew chapter 6. And in some ways, I think Jesus is bringing a summary to some thoughts that you guys have been hearing the last few weeks. Uh, and the summary comes in this passage. And in Matthew chapter 6, verse um, 25 to the end of the chapter, it says, Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns. Yet your Heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? 
See how the lilies of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So don't worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Okay, so so there are uh, some really important things that the Lord wants to bring to us, and he starts off uh, with the, just a real simple, straightforward statement. So I entitled this, What to Worry About. So when this is all done, you're going to know what it is you're supposed to worry about. That's an important thing to know in life. Am I going backwards? The down button. The down button. Got it. Okay, got it. Okay. Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Very simple statement. And and uh, he's speaking here about something pretty broad. He says, listen, I'm talking about life. Don't worry about your life. And then he brings it down to the basic necessities. And, and says, what I'm talking about is, I'm talking about the basic things that it takes for you to get through your day. Don't worry about those things. Don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink or what you're going to wear. Very simple, straightforward instruction. And, um, and we have to remember where we've come from. Jesus has just uh, finished talking about storing up treasures on earth. And not to do that. But the eye being the lamp of the body. And about the impossibility of having two masters. And now he enters into his last subject here and he says, don't worry about your life. So he's trying to track us down that road that takes us close to God. And here he says, here's my next subject, don't worry. So let me ask you, what is worry? I want you to engage your brain here. So there's something Jesus is saying. I want to keep you away from this. I want you to stay away from this. I don't want you over in this world over here. And the world is worry. Why? What do you think he's trying to keep you away from? Why does he not want you there? Doubt? Okay, so worry comes with doubt. And what are we doubting? We're doubting God. What else would worry do? Why doesn't he want you worrying? You miss something. It's a distraction. What else? It's what? Stress. It's stressful because when we're worrying, what's happening? You're trying to control your own life. Yeah, you're, because, and you want to control it because, because why? 
something bad might happen, right? There's something that can go wrong. There's something that can be turn out the way it's not supposed to turn out. I might not have anything to eat. And, and so there's a fear. Now understand this. Whatever you worry about orients your life. Whatever you worry about defines your life. When you're worried, that's just like, that's my thoughts, that's where my head's at, that's what I'm concerned about, that's where my focus is, on what I'm worrying about. And Jesus wants to step right in between you and that thing and go, don't do that, don't let that orient you. What is it that you can find yourself tending to worry about? You may have come in here this morning with something that you're worried about. And you know what? If you are, you might even have a hard time listening to me because it's like, but what about this? How about this? Did I think about this? And, and there's a fear and a worry. And, and Jesus says, don't do that. Now, that's a pretty bold statement because there's some pretty important things in, the, in, the, in that. When he says, don't worry about your life, Jesus, my life encompasses a lot. Food, clothing, we're talking about real basics here. That's why they call them the basic necessities because it's pretty basic. He says, I know, don't worry about it. Okay, so you got to give me more. And then he goes on to say this. Oops, here's my point. Don't worry about the basic necessities of life. That's his, that's his summary of this verse. So he says this, is not life more important than food? The body more important than clothes? Okay, whoa, wait a minute, okay. So he's bringing something in here. And what is he trying to do? He's trying to reframe our focus. And so we need to ask ourselves, all right, is it? Is life more important than food? Is the body more than clothes? And, and if we just paused here and I said, I want to randomly pick someone out of this group to come up here and answer that question. And you got picked. Where would your head be? Is the body, is life more important than food? Is the body more important than clothes? Oh, you people sitting here in church on Sunday morning. What is more important than food? What? Your relationship Relationship with God. Is that really true? I mean, good. Absolutely, that's the right answer. Give her a star. Gold star right there. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Did Jesus believe life was more important than food? How do we know that? How do we know that? Do we know that? Maybe he was just a guy that just, you know, maybe it was a nice sermon line. It is a nice sermon line. Did he believe it? What's that? He went without it when? In the desert, 40 days of fasting. And what did it say happened at the end of 40 days? What was it true about Jesus? And at the end of 40 days, Jesus was hungry. That's a pretty profound line because if you understand the physiology of all that, when you fast, you're hungry for a day or two and then you're not hungry anymore. You don't experience hunger. 
until your body starts to digest its own muscle and nerve tissue. And when your body starts to digest its own muscle and nerve tissue, you become ravenously hungry. And Jesus reached a point where he was dying. His body was consuming itself. And the devil showed up and said, Listen, make some bread, man. You're going to die. And what did Jesus say? It is written, man does not live by what? By bread alone. So what was in Jesus' head? Was he just a super obedient legalist? Do you hear what Jesus is saying there? He is saying, no, I will not let life be reduced to mere physical things. There's got to be more to it than just whether or not I get to eat. There is a connection with my father. There's a connection with the real God that's there. There's a, there's a, there's a connection with purpose in life. And I would rather die than to reduce all of this to me getting food in my body. I will not let life become that. And Jesus is calling us to that perspective, saying, guys, 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 you're worried about, you know, you know, whether there's going to be food there tomorrow and clothes and all this. Wait a minute, stop, reset. Don't you understand? What do you believe? There is more than all this. What we worshipped about, what we connected with, the truths that are there, the love of God, the reality of God, that is worth more than food. And all over the world, people are dying and suffering and sacrificing because they believe that's the case. And you have that and I have that too. Is not the body, is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? And Jesus wants them to leap up inside us and go, yes, it is. And if I'm going to worry about anything, I'm going to worry about what's important. I will not let life be reduced to the physical for me. That's your gift. That's your treasure. And Jesus wants to reset us on that treasure. Life is more than food. The body is more than clothes. So having given us a great big picture thing, he, he starts giving us some specifics. Looked at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns. Yet your Heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And... And so they're outdoors, uh, um, but everybody there was really familiar with birds anyway. There's something fascinating about birds. We are not an outdoor culture anymore. Uh, My parents live on a farm. They spend a lot of time outside. They're just fascinated by all the birds around them. And they know, they know, you know, then there's, there's these swallows over here and then we've got these meadowlarks over here and we've got, and there's the owl and, and they know the birds around them. They're just very cognizant of it. And I think that's how you tend to be when you're more of an outdoor culture. Jesus referred them to what they knew. And, and um, he said, listen, these guys, they're not sowing. They're not creating food. They're not, they're not reaping. They're not preserving food. They got no way to make any of this happen. They're not strong. And yet, there is a plan in the plan of God to care for the birds. Oops. So, if God has that plan for the birds, does he not have a plan for me? Let me ask you this. Who 
father feeds the birds? Whose father feeds the birds? According to Jesus. What? Yours. Your father feeds the birds. It doesn't say, and the bird's father. The bird's father feeds the birds. Never calls God the father of the birds. He's your father. Your father is feeding the birds. Okay, if your father is feeding the birds, what are the chances he's going to feed you? And... And this is a theological point. We all go, oh yeah, I got that. But what God wants us to ask ourselves is, do you personally believe this for yourself? I don't know how your world's going. I don't know, you know what your job situation's like. I don't know how your finances are going. I don't know how your world is flowing. You might have things you could look at and you go, man, I'm not sure. I'm definitely not sure about the future. I don't know where all this is going. And right here, Jesus wants to lay something very personal in your lap. Now, I was a biology major, and I, I really love, I love nature things. I love geology. I love outdoor stuff. I'm so thankful that that's been bolted into part of my faith. And, and I think about the ecosystem, and, and when I look at those birds there, I go, you know, I, I see God. I see, because I understand a little bit of what's going on there genetically and ecologically, and I just go, that is so astonishing. It's so astonishing. And I think about the whole ecosystem in this entire planet. But I want you to grab this. Take the entire ecosystem of the whole planet, this amazing creation of God, and you know what? You are more like God than that entire ecosystem. I love astronomy. You know, our universe is 42 billion light years across. There are so many astonishing things. The galaxies, the, the, the galaxy clusters, the rings of galaxies that, that, that make up the universe. And it's astonishing. And you know what? You are more like God than a cluster of galaxies. God has made the angels and incredibly powerful spiritual beings. One of which, if it appeared here, we probably all would die of fright. It would be so overwhelmingly overpowering to just be in the presence of one of these incredible, powerful spiritual beings that God has made. And you know what? You are more like God than any spiritual being God has created. You are made in the image of God. You are the children of God. You are the ones he has made and come in the image of in Jesus Christ. Honestly, if he feeds the birds, if this is real at all, if there is any reality at all to our faith... If God feeds the birds, will he not much more feed you? Are you not much more valuable than they? And he's not talking about people in general because he did not create people in general. It says that he knit together your inmost being. He created that, the you, that unique you that's you. 
God made that. He created your inmost being, that person that's you. God ordained every day of your life before one of them came to be. God says, I will never leave you or forsake you. And he throws out to us a claim that he asks us to believe. He has a plan to provide for you. You walk with him, he will get you through life. But what we have to ask ourselves right now is do you believe that for yourself? Because if you don't, you must worry. Somebody has got to worry about you. Either you do it or you hand it to somebody else. And God says, listen, I got this. I am an infinite being who has made you as my child in my image. I have an entire eternity planned for you. I've ordained every single day on this planet for you. I got this. And he's asking each one of us to go, I will stand here never having seen God, knowing that I can control almost nothing about the future. And I will go, I believe that. That is a profound thing. It is a life-changing thing. And until you can do it, you cannot live the Christian life. What do you believe for yourself? And he's trying to tell you it's your father that's feeding the birds. Okay. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Now he gets pretty pragmatic. He's just trying to go, hey guys, come on, let's just think a little bit here. Do you know how many hours there are in 80 years, if you live 80 years? Whip out your phone, you can calculate it out. 700,800 hours in 80 years. Jesus is just trying to go, get this. You, you You can't even add one more hour to an entire life by worrying. And, and, and I think he wants us to back up here and look at worrying practically. Um, because sometimes we're kind of programmed, we're kind of wired, maybe even from our upbringing, to go, well, I've got to worry. I mean, that's what it means to be responsible is I've got to worry. I've got to be anxious about this. I, you know, I'm, I'm, not being, I'm not doing the right thing if I'm not... And, and maybe we all have some of that. And if you go, well, I think that may be me or maybe that's my wife um, or whoever you might think it might be. You don't have to feel bad about that. This world wires all kinds of things into us that don't make any sense. But Jesus is just trying to draw back here and going, guys, hey, let's pause a little bit and think about this. You know what? You're going to live this many hours and you can't add one more hour by worrying. It doesn't accomplish a thing. Here's what it comes down to Practically. Worrying can't make a 0.014% difference in your life. That's how much one hour is in an 80-year life. And that's not 14%. That's 14 thousandths of 1%. Worrying can't make any difference. It doesn't change anything. Except change your focus, lock you into the wrong thing, and get you all disconnected from where you should be. Don't worry.
Okay. Sometimes we get confused about what worry is. So what are we supposed to do? There are certain things we are supposed to do. You're a person made in God's image. He has a pretty high expectation on all of us. We're, we're amazing, awesome creatures. We're made in the image of an infinite, perfect, holy, loving creator God. So he does have expectations of kind of what will roll out of our life. So we're not supposed to worry, but what are we supposed to do? What is our part? What? Pray? Okay. We're supposed to pray. We're supposed to connect with the power. What else are we supposed to do? Ask. Ask. What? Trust. Trust. Pray. Trust. Yes. Yes. And that brings us rest. What else are we supposed to do? Praise. Praise. Okay. That's good. And I want you to go a little bit different direction. Work. 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 What else? Prepare. Prepare. What else? Love. Love. That's a great one. Obey. Obey. What? Plan. Plan. Okay, and I think we got that. Plan. What any other words come to mind? Serve. Be responsible. All those things come together. You know what? God says, listen, you live out my nature. You live out my character. Do you think God's responsible? you think God works hard? Do you think God loves, God serves, God cares? When Jesus was here, we saw a man who was a man of action. He believed that the Father would bless what he did. And, and, he, and he did all that he could that was his part. And he prayed and he trusted and he labored and he worked. And God blessed him. And that needs to be who we are. It isn't like we go, well, I'm glad I don't have to worry, so I can sit here and watch soaps on the TV. No, 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 no. I can step forward in confidence because even when I fail, God's got it. I can do all that I can to express what it means to, to live out the person of God in who he's made me. And I don't have to be anxious and worry. I can have peace and confidence as I step into life, bringing all that I can bring, bringing all that I can bring. And I honor and glorify God when I do it. But that's not worry. Working hard is not worry. It's expressing the very nature of God. And historically, that's always been part of the Christian's world. But worrying doesn't add to that. And that's what Jesus' point is here. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. You know, I tell you that not even Solomon, in all his splendor, was dressed like one of these. That is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown in the fire. Won't he much more clothe you? Oh, you have little faith. And um, he's grabbing another thing that we can actually, even in our own day, worry about for all kinds of reasons um, that we could talk about here. Um, But I want to pause a little bit and maybe uh, jump into a little bit of uh, where I have found God more and more as I've gotten older. And that is in this whole thing of the lilies of the field, flowers. I just recently did a trip down the Grand Canyon. Uh, rafted down the Grand Canyon with with a bunch of guys and a, and, a, and a scientist, a geology scientist, and we looked at the evidence for the flood and this this kind of once in a lifetime adventure thing for me. And uh, and you know what, I found myself taking pictures of more than almost anything else was the desert flowers. 
We arrived right when the desert flowers were in bloom. It was in April. And it was the best year in 10 years, some of the guides said, because it had a lot of rain and snow that winter. And I'm telling you, the sides of the Grand Canyon were spectacular. Incredible. Some of them were covered with fields of yellow flowers. And, and, and all the flowers are in bloom. And, and, the, and the, the cactus was... You know, I'd look at cactus and I'd go, God, you're crazy. I mean, I understand biology. And, and there is no reason why desert flowers have to be amazing. They have no competition. There's nothing out there. There is no reason for that. And you look at them and you go, wow, this is unbelievable. The, the intense yellow, the intense pinks. And, and, um, and I got all these pictures. And then when I got home and my, my SD card was dead. And I lost almost all of them. And I went, well, Lord Jesus, you want those pictures to yourself. So anyway, but I got a couple pictures on my phone. Here's one of them. And I'm going to show you uh, a few more pictures because uh, shortly after that, my mom's wife, or my wife's mom died. And we went to Oregon for a trip and we were gone for about a week and a lot of, a lot of important family things and connections. It was a very close family. She was a wonderful woman. And we only did one I guess you'd say fun, touristy thing. We didn't go to the beach. We didn't go to the wineries. We didn't go anywhere. We, we just went one place. We went to a flower garden. And um, so anyway, I took a bunch of pictures there. And I, honestly, I'm just overwhelmed at the beauty. And I'm going to take about 30 seconds here and just show you a few of the pictures I took. I'm not a professional, but you know, God didn't have to make any of that. None of that is necessary. And it all just expresses the character of God and who He is. God delights in beautiful things. God delights in making things more amazing than we could ever imagine. And I can't, I just can't, I just can't even, well, it says heaven is going to be on your imagination. So imagine as great and as big as you could ever imagine in any single direction. And then you can know, okay, God's on record as saying heaven is beyond that. It's kind of fun. Well, gee, I could imagine this and I can imagine this and I can imagine this and I can imagine this. God goes, well, you're not there yet. And, and in that, God is fully committed and fully capable of clothing me in a way that is pleasing to him. Do you know God that way? And for us, this can be all kinds of things. And I just like to ask you, do you have a sense of what it means to, to just rest in the way, fact that, hey, God, you can dress me in a way that's pleasing to you? I actually had a little challenge in this. We had another significant family member die just a few weeks later, and I just got back from another Oregon trip at, for a funeral. And um, this is one of Carol's relatives who was a, a very, very successful man, actually one of the more successful men probably in the state of Oregon. He he had bought cable companies, and he just he was extremely prosperous, and he was extremely generous, and he gave lots of money to lots of organizations and universities, and um, he just died. And, and uh, so we went to his funeral, and, and uh, I showed up at his funeral, and I, and I felt like I didn't have the right clothes on. Um, it's almost like Jesus' little wedding story where someone's going to come up and throw me out because I'm not appropriately dressed. Um, 
but, but other people had picked my clothes out for me, so I wasn't responsible for this. But <laughs> nonetheless, you know, I could kind of struggle with, okay, am I appropriately dressed here? Um, and, uh, uh, and I just had to rest with the fact that, Jesus, you are sovereign. You rolled all this together, and here I am. And I can still love people, and I can still serve, and I can rest in the fact that if you wanted this different, it would be different. Um, but there's points where it takes faith. Do you believe that whatever God sees as beautiful, he is fully capable of getting you there? He is an infinite being. There is nothing hard, and there is nothing large, and there is nothing small for an infinite being. Well, it's too hard. No, it's not. He's infinite. Well, I'm too small. No, you're not. There is no small. He's infinite. It's all the same to him. It's all the same. There are no important people. There are no important issues. Except that every person is important and every issue is important. They're all the same. He's infinite. So we don't have to worry. Okay. So don't worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. We could draw a lot of thoughts out of that. Um, Jesus gives us two points there. We're not pagans. What's his point there? His point is concluded with his next one. Our Father knows our needs. So, pagans do not believe they have a Heavenly Father caring for them. They don't, they're on their own. They kind of have to worry or they have to do something else, but they can't rest in the love of a Father. And, and Jesus speaks into our world and he speaks into your life and he says, Listen, this is not you. This is not you. The pagans run after all these things. But that is not you. Your heavenly father knows you need them. And then he comes really to what's his punchline. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. And really what Jesus is saying here is he's saying, listen, in life, relationally with God, you have two options and you get to pick whichever one you want. We can care for our interests and let God care for his interests. Or we can care for God's interests and let him care for our interests. He says, okay, so there you are. Who do you want to care for you? Do you want me to care for you or do you want to care for you? Let's divvy this up. Somebody's got to care for you. Who do you want to do it? And we go, well, I'll care for me. Okay, great. I'll I'll go take care of my stuff, says God. But if in our heart we go, oh, God, this world is in such a mess. There's so many ways you don't get what you want. There's so many times you must be so terribly disappointed. God... I want you to get your way. I want you to prevail. I want you once to have things go the way you want them to go. God, I want to care about your stuff. God says, okay, well then I'll take care of you. You got a heart for my stuff? I got your back. You're walking with me? 
I'll take care of stuff. And and we can ask ourselves, what does it mean to seek the kingdom of God? And, and, and if, you know, I've gotten these pictures, a lot of them off of Google, except for the flowers. You Google kingdom of God on, on uh, Google and for images, and you get a lot of weird things. Uh, but I picked a couple of pictures I liked, and I like this one. Um, because when we seek the kingdom of God, what are we seeking? And you guys might have even heard me, some of you heard me share this before, but where is the kingdom of God? Where is the kingdom of God? Wherever God is king. I got that out of a children's Bible and I've never forgotten it. One of the advantages of having kids. The kingdom of God is wherever God is king. To seek the kingdom of God is to seek making the things around me reflect the kingship of God. Here's another picture. Um, I like this one because this has several meanings. But if we were to make this a picture of us, who are you in that picture? The lamb. Yeah. Imagine yourself being the lamb. Now how safe are you right there? Well, it all depends, doesn't it? What does it depend upon? Is that lion safe? Because you're either lunch... Or you're safe. Uh, you're not. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're not. You're either safe or you're not. And and of course, the lion. If if we're the li- lamb, then Jesus is the lion, and we are utterly, completely safe. Do you see yourself there? Do you see yourself there? But there's another picture here because where this really comes from is, it tells us in Isaiah that that in the in the kingdom of God the lion will lay down with the lamb. In other words, that in God's world he's going to bring about things that are not natural here at all. It's just not natural for a lion and a lamb to lay down together. But that's the way the kingdom of God is going to be. And so our focus is to bring about things that are totally not normal. In this world. We are to seek that which is just not what naturally comes out of this world. And here's my application for you. What do you want in your heart? Do you want God's ways to prevail? Or do you want your life to work out? That is the most important question I know to ask you. Because where our hearts are supposed to be is to be turned to where what I actually honestly want, what I honestly actually want is I want God to get his way. And when we hear that, here's where I think we can go wrong. We can have the notion that, well, I know I'm supposed to be an obedient Christian, but we all know nobody really is. And so we talk about it and we teach it and we understand the concept, we understand the principles, and you know, we'll get to heaven and we'll be perfect, but you know, now really, really everybody's just living for themselves. And we can almost have the mindset of, well, that's really how it rolls. And I want to tell you that's absolutely, utterly crazy. (laughs) If we had physical children and and some point, some physical child actually obeyed his parents and Time Magazine showed up and the news media showed up and we now have a photo of a child that's obeyed his parents. We go, well, this is a crazy world. No, most of the time, 
in your family. Most of the time, your children should happily track with you and they should feel loved and they should respond and obey and that should be normal life. It just normally works that way. And in many, many, many families, that is totally normal. That's lo- that is daily life. That was daily life for me. Not perfectly, but that was daily life. That's the way you need to say, I can live that way. That is my heart. That is where I'm at. And when you walk in that, the, my heart, my, my desire is, I want, I want God to get his way. Don't you? What would happen with this world if, if today, every single point, just for 24 hours, just for 24 hours, in every single heart, every single mind, every single decision, every single action, Jesus was honored. Oh my goodness, the whole earth would just shudder. It would have to change direction in so many places. And it would just be this amazing day. Do you want that? That's inside you if you're a Christian. And if you don't sense it, you need to go find it. That has been, like my children obeyed me, I have been able to find that heart with God. And it's not because anything is anything good about me. It's that's supposed to be the normal Christian life, which I trust many of us experience, but somehow some people miss. Shortly after I got saved, I was taught this verse. And Jesus is first. Jesus is first. And and in the zeal of my young Christian life, the very first thing I want to do is quit school. I was a freshman, biology freshman, pre-med student. Iowa State University. Oh, man, I'm saved. I'm saved. God's, there's, there's a God. It's all true. I'm quitting school. And, and I realized that the most important thing in my life was following God. And school wasn't what got me started down that road. I just wanted to be rich and famous and selfish. And so I got done with that. Out of school, I'm following God. Fortunately, some people sat me down and said, John... It was a long conversation, but, you know, maybe you should stay in school. And now they said, you could serve God there, God can use you there. But because I put that in God's hands, and I sought the kingdom of God first, and I stayed in my biology major, one of the richest dimensions of my faith that has been a treasure to me ever since was given to me. One of the things that started doing is tracking me down this road of looking at God as creator and investigating science for that. And that's a whole testimony right there. But I ended up getting very involved with that. President of an organization at Iowa State University on origins research. And I took every class I could take on evolutionary, on genetics and evolution. And, and I became sort of a pariah in the, in the biology department there. And it was like I was flushing my whole whatever might be my future in biology down the train. And I remember one time my... my my professor advisor called me in as a junior and again everybody knew me and nobody liked me and he said John you've won a scholarship you've won a scholarship uh, that I never applied for I never knew existed and was out of the biology department and to this day I don't have the slightest reason understanding why I got out now I needed money um, and, and I thought God you gave me a biology scholarship out of this department I never applied for, didn't know existed, and God, it's just your statement to me that you can do anything. And as a senior, I was taking a class in evolutionary genetics because I wanted to learn all the mechanisms of evolution because it was part of what I was into. And, and again, I was not, uh, everybody knew I was this wacko Bible beater kid. And the professor that was teaching this class was going down to, the, to uh, I think it was the University of Georgia, uh, where they have a very prominent uh, evolution or, or genetics research world down there. And he wanted me to go with him. He said, John, would you come down and be a grad student under me? 
I thought, I think I'm kind of good at this. This guy's handing me a ticket. I think I could, I think I could really do this stuff. He apparently thought so too. And yet every reason drawing me that direction was like, that's not, I'm not tracking with God. I got my eyes on other things. There's other things about this that are attractive to me. And I just said, after a number, several weeks of thinking about it, I'm going to stay here. And in giving my career to God, I got the most amazing career I could ever imagine. And the most amazing life. I stayed single till I was 28 years old. I had a girl I was madly in love with. Um, but everything around me said, John, you need to be single. You're involved in the student ministry. You're leading the student ministry. There's so many things dependent on you. Just That's not, that's not going to honor God. That's not, gonna, that's not a God thing. This is where God needs you. This is where God would be pleased. This is what make God happy. And so I just, just let all that go. And when I was 28 years old, God gave me the girl of my dreams. And, and I felt like God turned my life a different direction. But had I clung to that or sought that or pursued that, it all would have been different. With finances, when I was a little, just a, just a baby Christian, I had heard somewhere, I, I didn't have a religious upbringing really, but I heard somewhere that you're supposed to give God a tenth of what you get. And I, God, God I want to honor you. 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 So I started giving God a tenth of everything I had, which was easy as a student since I was broke. <laughs> but I've always lived that out, not because I want some blessing in return. It has nothing to do with that. It's like God deserves this. I want Him to be honored. And so in everything I have, whether it's my salary or my benefits or whatever, if God gives it to me, if he prospers me with it, I give him back a tenth. It's from him. God, I want to honor you. This is from you. This is the way it should be. And as I look back at my life, I go, I'm just amazed at how God has blessed me. I certainly haven't been rich. I think I've owned one new car in my whole life since I've been married. But I look through, but I've never had any debt other than a mortgage, except I had $1,500 in school debt after like going to school for three or four decades. Um, and, and my cars haven't broken down, and it's all just been like, God, you just, you've been so, I'm just, I'm just so thankful. I'm so thankful. And, and I may have incredible financial problems tomorrow, and who knows where the world's going, but I don't care because all this is safety where it's supposed to go. And I am so thankful. I put God where he was supposed to be, it's what I want. In my own heart. Now, God leaves everybody differently, but if he leads you into, you know, I think this would honor God. Then what are you doing? (laughs) You're going to miss your chance. Do it. Walk in it. He's going to feed you. He's going to clothe you. He's going to meet all your needs. Some of you guys rode a motorcycle down here. Some of you guys know I, I did that when I was a kid, and I got saved, and I just sort of got out of that. But I've always really, really enjoyed it, and Somebody loaned me their motorcycle about, I don't know, 15 years ago now. And I thought, I really, really like this. I want to get back into this. And my kids were grown, so I felt better. And, and I, I dreamed about the kind of motorcycle I wanted. Um, and it was an older Yamaha touring motorcycle. And I knew they'd be cheap. And, and there weren't many of them around anymore. But that was my bike. I was out preparing for a sermon one day. Saturday afternoon, I'm out walking and praying, preparing for my sermon for the next day. And I walk by this house, and there's one out on the driveway, for big for sale sign on it, right there. There it is. And I thought, 
I engage with that situation, my mind is going to be totally zeroed out for the next three days. I cannot engage with that. And I just walked on by and said, maybe it'll be there Sunday afternoon. You know, we'll just see. But I, I just can't. I just can't. That's, God would not be honored. That is not where God wants my head. That is not what I, my life is about. My life, honestly, it's what I want. I'm not being legalistic. This is what I want. I want God. So I preached, I think, a relatively good sermon the next day. My head was clear. Came back. Of course, it was gone. And I never thought anything about it. But it wasn't very long later, and I don't know, months or whatever, somebody gave me a motorcycle. Pat Sokol gave me a motorcycle. Uh, well, somebody gave me a motorcycle. Then a guy who was boarding horses at our little farm place gave me another motorcycle. I said, I don't even want it. I already got one. And he didn't know what to do with it, so I took him on. I got two motorcycles. And then somebody sold me another one for next to nothing. I had three motorcycles. But I'm overwhelmed. And I look back and went, whoa, I wonder if there's any connection there. Maybe not. I don't know. But God's sovereign over all things. But here's the point. We think, oh, but if, but if I really give my life to God, then I won't get what I want. And you need to take that and just, just stick a knife right in the gut of that. No, that's not true. God has staked his whole glory on the fact that he can make your life better than you can. But will anybody believe it? Will we say, I will let you prove it through me. I will risk what looks like is good for me to seek your kingdom and what you deserve and what you should have and what belongs to you. I want you to be happy, God. And God promises here, okay, great, then I'll take care of you. That's to be our normal life. That's to be our normal life. That's a personal, individual heart choice. Is that in you? If it is, you're living the Christian life. If it's not, you're just coming to church. It's a walk with a real God. Now, my life's been full of a lot of hardship. I'm not here saying that it's all been rosy for me and my world. I could share a bunch of other stories. All I'm saying is, whenever I have made those right choices, I would never trade that. That is exactly what you want to look back on in your life. And then our last verse. It's real simple. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And all we can say here is, everything we've said so far, that all just goes double for the future. All right, let's pray. Lord, I just pray that we would have, we'd be people that share with one another a real faith in you. You are good. You are awesome. You are amazing. You're so faithful. And we're going to see you face to face one day. And we're just going to, we're just, it's all going to be so clear. The gift you gave us to walk with you by faith now. And I pray in this room, there would be people who would, would, would find that in themselves, that desire. They just want you to be happy. They just want you to get your way. They just want you to be pleased. And you look down and you just smile and you go, that is a relationship with me. And you will love and care for the people that walk in that way. May that more fully describe all of us in Jesus' name.
Amen.